0: Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line, the shot on Hilo. Ah, the Bulls
1: win, they win it, Mike you're honestly telling me that you're top five, yeah top five of all time, no question about it, Booker, this is for the win, got it, wow,
0: the ruling on the floor is made fast
1: one thing's for sure, over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Three, two, one.
0: Welcome to Pass the Outlet, episode six. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin,
1: joined as always.
0: By my wingman chris patrick chris how you doing tonight man
1: good mike i'm good happy to be back here recording a live stream even though we've pretty much done one every week it still seems like it's been forever but uh we're back with a past the outlet and i'm excited to get into it good to be back for everybody
0: exactly right work life balance gets you get bogged down sometimes but really happy to be here tonight if you're joining us welcome thank you for being here Make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube page, Valley Sports Plug. You can find us at all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at AZ underscore VSP. But Chris, I think I said it last time, ball season is upon us. It's officially here. Phoenix Suns and the NBA started last week uh, with a beautiful come from behind win against the Dallas Mavericks at home. We saw a big win against the defending champion Golden State Warriors. This week as well. So a lot to get into with the Suns, but we got some other items for basketball that's on the docket to talk about today as well, specifically the big three and some comments from Ice Cube and Pac-12 basketball, which is right around the corner. But I want to pass it over to you, Chris, and, and you know let us know what's going on with the big three going into season six, I think you said.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's either season six or season five. Um, They were founded in 2017 for those of you who don't know about the big three league. This is uh ice cubes league that he started up. Um, I think I saw Clyde Drexler is the commissioner of the league, but basically it's, it's a three on three style league that they play and there's uh, some unique rules. They have the four point line, They even have, I think it's called the Ellum Rule or something like that. We'll dive into it um, here a little bit. But basically, that's where they turn off the shot clock in the fourth quarter, and they play to a certain um, points marker, similar to if anyone else was watching the NBA All-Star Game. That's uh, a similar system that they've implemented. So I did uh, come across this article in The Source and uh, shared it with michael benjamin and so we do here on pass the outlet at advertise and brand ourselves as a podcast that's going to cover all things basketball and while i'm very excited to dive into the phoenix suns and their start to this season i did want to talk about some maybe um, these other kinds of of basketball topics especially you know local and not local so we'll get into asu a little bit talk about that at a high level but yeah mike diving in here to the big three league before we go into this article in the source How much of this league do you watch or like how familiar are you so since it's inception i definitely
0: kind of keep an eye on it because their big thing is having high level basketball talent of guys who are probably a little bit older who used to play in the league so we see some you know familiar names like jason richardson amari stoudemire leandro barbosa I know Joe Johnson had a big impact within that league. I want to say he won a championship. So there's some former Suns players, but there's also some just former great NBA guys who were in the league for a long time, and now they get to play within a competitive nature uh, in a different style. Uh, So I'll, I'll keep tabs on it when it's going on. Do I have a rooting interest in any of the teams? No, not really. But it's something that I definitely keep an eye on for the schedule. And if it ever comes to Phoenix again, you know, I'm probably going to try and and get it on my schedule and make it out to those games. Because I think it's a cool system the way they do it, where they schedule in different cities and then basically have all the teams play each other. And that's how their schedule goes around. So you get to see a whole bunch of NBA greats, man. I'm all about that. Sign me Mm. up for that every day of the week, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love the the different variety and, and things that you can do with basketball and this league is, it's pretty fun to watch. I have caught a few games here and there. It's not something like, like, I think you were kind of saying there, I, I don't go out of my way to watch it, but yeah, I was in in looking up uh, some more about this league and kind of catching up on everything that's happened uh, since I haven't really been watching it as closely the past couple of years. The the team that's won the most championships is Trilogy and their head coach is Steven Jackson, just to give you an idea of some, some names you might recognize from the NBA. On this roster right now, their current roster has Al Harrington, Kenyon Martin, uh, James White, uh, just to name a few. Um, and it's, yeah, it's three-on-three basketball. It's it's half court. And uh, I think that four-point line is is super interesting. But let's dive into this article here um, written in the source by Dylan Camp uh, just last week or a couple weeks ago on the 17th. Uh, it says Ice Cube recently accused the NBA and ESPN of trying to destroy his big three basketball league. Cube made the statement after NBA veteran Stephen Jackson took to Instagram Live to encourage people to support the Big Three League. Uh, so he said, appreciate you. I assume that's Stephen Jackson's handle. We definitely need everybody's support. The NBA and ESPN are doing everything in their powers to ignore and destroy the Big Three, Cube said in response to Jackson's message. Now, I thought this part was interesting. Uh, it's not the first time uh, Ice Cube has spoken out about his this his league not getting the support it deserves. In 2020, Cube said that the NBA had stolen his idea of op- adopting the Elm rule for the 2020 All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, under the Elm rule, the shot clock is turned off in the fourth quarter and teams must hit a certain score to win. So he kind of s- says that there in the tweet, uh, and it kind of goes on. And, and that is an interesting point. Uh, when you talk about maybe uh, the NBA acknowledging or giving credit where credit's due, but Mike, do you think that the NBA needs to acknowledge or help out the big three league in any way?
0: No, I mean, it's its own entity, Obviously, you have guys who played in the nba that are on to this new league but i don't think you have to have a partnership i mean the nba specifically partners with the g league as its secondary market league you know that they have for guys who are trying to make a roster almost kind of like the minor leagues for basketball and now it's a resource for young guys who are coming out of high school to go directly to the g league instead of having to go to college or overseas, build their repertoire, play against some really good competition, and we're already starting to see some of that success from some of those guys uh, who have gone to that league and transitioned over to the NBA in high draft picks, like Jalen Green, like, um, I want to say, Dyson from the New Orleans Pelicans, who will be here actually tomorrow going up against the Suns. But I don't think the NBA owes them anything. Is the big three a good product? I think so. I don't think it would hurt the NBA to have some kind of partnership with them, especially since you have so many greats in the big three that used to be greats in the NBA, right? I think that would be a partnership that you would imagine could coexist and work well together. But the other thing, too, is, you know... I need some more backing and some more factual evidence from Ice Cube in regards to what the NBA and possibly ESPN is doing to try and kill the league. And specifically when he says they stole the elim uh rule. I mean, sorry Ice Cube, but the elim rule has been around since pickup basketball has been around. You know, we played yeah. a 15, we played a 21. Like I, I I'm sorry, but that's just not a new concept. Is it in a professional, um, you know, officiated substance of of basketball? Okay, yeah, but, like, that's not a new thing, you know what I'm saying? Do you agree with
1: me on that, at least? Yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely – I don't think it's the same thing. And especially – If you're splitting hairs, I mean, breaking down the product, it's completely different. You're talking five on five full court versus three on three half court with a four point line. And also the NBA is only using that rule in one game out of the year for literally one game. And that's the all star game. Um, And great point about we've been playing by that rule as long as basketball has been around. Like you said, play to 21, play to 15, whatever it is. So it's not a new concept. And I also agree that the NBA doesn't need to acknowledge or support the big three league. I mean, really they're a rival for all intents and purposes. You know, they're trying to split the same market. Even it looks like their seasons kind of run concurrent. Now there can be room for both. Um, NBA is, doesn't play every single night as I'm sure also the big three league doesn't play every night, but I'm pretty sure um, the big three league plays a lot on, um, you know, primetime slots like Friday, Saturday, Sunday type to get the most exposure, and and to 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 say they're trying to kill them, I think is a stretch because of course ESPN and the NBA have a strong partnership. There's a lot of games that are aired on ESPN, so they're not gonna try and they're not gonna sacrifice any time that the NBA could get by lending it to the Big Three league. Like I'm, I'm sorry, Ice Cube, but more people are gonna tune in to watch the NBA than the Big Three league. Um. Am am I still coming through kind of clear, Mike? Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool, cool. Um, So in that regard, I also just think that you're right. The Ice Cube needs to provide more substance for his allegations here because I kind of skimmed through the rest of this article and it, it does expand, it, it keeps talking about that rule. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, LM rule, Ilum rule, doesn't matter. Um, that's pretty much all he said is they stole my one rule for one game, and that's why and, and ESPN's not, and it sounds like ESPN's not partnering with them, but uh, I don't know if I mentioned this. Ice Cube has a TV deal with CBS and Paramount Plus. Like yeah, it's, that's not ESPN, but those that's a pretty big network to be to be aired on. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Super Bowl is on CBS sometimes. So I, I don't know. I, I get where Ice Cube's coming from. He doesn't want to be sunned. He wants to be seen as like on the same level. But it's like you you do have retired NBA guys, but it's a reason there's a reason they're not in the league anymore. Um, you know, and there's a reason they're playing half court. So you know, stay in your stay. I don't want to say stay in your lane. That's kind of mean. Um, but but. Find your find your spot, find your spot. And I think it does have a good thing. It reminds me, like when you said you they can't that you can't wait for them to come here. Like I would absolutely go see the big three when they come here. It kind of reminds me of the N One mixtape tour in that kind of way where I looked forward to it every summer when they would be coming through. I think I got to go two or three times. Uh me and Matt, my older brother. uh, it was a good time. It was fun. They set up like a court right there outside the the Suns Arena, like literally a court in the street. They would they would wheel it out on a truck, set it up. Um, That's where they would do the tryouts and then the then, you know, play the main game inside. But that's and one. But anyway, I, I totally I totally would go and see him. So I think this is just kind of kind of maybe uh, Cube trying to do some promoting for the league before it gets kicked off and, and get his name out in the headlines. Yeah. Stir the pot a little
0: bit. Get get your name out there and talking about it. I, I don't blame him. I mean, one of the other situations for their league, it runs from mid-June to August, so it's not really going up competitively against the NBA, but it is a niche market. Yeah, it's basketball, but it's three-on-three basketball, exactly like you said. It's a different style of game. It's a lot slower pace. It's waiting for screens, and it's older guys. I know they have that four-point spot on the court, which is a cool little wrinkle that they can add to it as well. But, you know, unless you're a true, a true hoop head and ball is life like we say it is, there's some people who are just going to turn off the TV during those time frames because it doesn't really appeal to them like the high-octane action of the NBA, you know? So I, I, I still don't see why they can't coexist together and work together. And my biggest part about it is because of all of the greats that are part of this league that used to be great in the NBA as well. I just it's a perfect transition for that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> so hopefully in the in the future, they'll be able to play nice and figure out a way to coexist a little bit better than they can, but you know, I think the big 3 is going strong. I feel like they're adding teams, you know, every season, you know, guys are switching between teams a little bit, but it seems like rosters kind of stick together. And then they have some just really high-profile, cool legends who are coaches. Like I know uh, Julius Irving was a coach for a while, and they got Lisa Leslie out there coaching. So there's just so many awesome individuals that are part of the big three. I want them to succeed, and there's no reason it can't because more basketball on TV is great for me. You know what I mean? It's right up my alley, so I'm always going to be paying attention and seeing – what the hot gossip
1: is with those guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Grow, grow, grow the sport. If you think about it, like basketball is one of the younger sports. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just like a little over a hundred years. It's been around or something like that. Um, and and now you've seen how much it's branched out globally to where the Australian league is picking up a lot of attention, especially with their big win over the suns, the biggest win in Australian history, but even uh, not to disrespect them though, because their Olympic team has been competitive before Andrew Bogut, Matthew Della Vadova, um, Ben Simmons is Australian for what it's worth. Um, but the, my point being is I agree, you know, grow the game. I think there is a place for both of them. You actually gave me an idea. I wanted to, to say like, you got the developmental the g league is the is the, what you do out of high school then you play in the nba for you know 10 15 years and then you go to the big three league it's like a feeder a feeder league almost so i could see i could see if they keep trending up um you know adding teams adding you know growing and getting attention i mean what's to stop the nba from coming in and just buying them out and i'm sure if they want to give ice cube 500 million dollars or i don't know what the number would look like a billion dollars I'm sure he would take a billion dollars. I don't know if the big three is worth a billion dollars. Probably not right now, but you never know. Yeah, I'd
0: love to see what the valuation is. But I also feel this is like a passion project for Ice Cube. You know, I know he's a big hooper. He's always loved the game and he wants to be involved in some capacity. So I'd see it hard fitting for him ever selling the big three unless it was on a downward spiral and kind of towards the end. And maybe he could pull the plug and get some you know, money out of it. But mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes, man. We will see how it goes. So keep an eye to the schedule for the big three this year. I feel like they normally come to Phoenix. It's a larger market. And they can uh, they can rent out Footprint Center like no other. So keep an eye between June and August. Maybe you'll see Chris and I out there. But... Chris, you got on the sweatshirt. Arizona State basketball is right around the corner. For that being said as well, uh, U of A basketball is right around the corner. That's kind (laughs) of more up my alley. Have a lot of family ties with uh, the Wildcats as well. So don't hate me for that. I'm one of those rare people where I love both. I don't hate one or the other. It's, It's Arizona, baby. It's Valley. We love the Valley. So if we can all succeed, I'm all about it. But Pac-12 basketball is coming pretty soon. Chris, what are you hearing about uh Pac-12? How some of these teams are fitting specifically the Sun Devils and the Wildcats?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at this um, a little bit and I think it, it's going to be important that we get Ben Miller back on here pretty soon to talk ASU hoops with us. Because that's our guy on the ground. He knows a lot about ASU hoops, but this, this Pac-12, while it still stands, uh, is looking to be um, you know formidable. The preseason top 25 has three Pac-12 teams up, up in there. It's uh, UCLA, Arizona, U of A, rather, and uh, Oregon. Um, am, I, am I missing one? Nope, those are the three. So is ranked 8th, Arizona's 17th, and Oregon's ranked 21st. So, of course, those are opponents that the Sun Devils are going to be seeing throughout the season uh, a couple times and so not not so much of an easy ride Uh, we got some early games um, or easy games earlier on we have tarleton on the 7th of november and then northern arizona or nau on the 10th Uh, texas southern bcu grambling alcorn state that's kind of our first six games there so a chance for them to play some of these maybe um, perceived easier games get their flow going Um, i was looking at the asu men's roster and Uh, not a lot of names were standing out to me that I've really, really been hearing much about. Of course, Marcus Bagley is, is there back out, back out there. He was, he played last season. Um, but I don't think did quite as well as he was expected to. So some people were surprised to see Marcus Bagley back on the roster, but we also got, um, a set of transfers, some brothers, Desmond Cambridge Jr. And his brother is Devon Cambridge um devon was a transfer there i think they're both transfers from separate colleges I, I would regretfully don't have that information in front of me but um well what i wanted to talk about a little bit though mike is when i was looking at the roster i noticed a sophomore um bobby hurley jr uh is is on is on that roster so he's i he's a sophomore so it means he was on the roster last year um did you know that bobby hurley's son was a guard on the asu roster
0: I did not, but that's great, man. Keep it in the family. Get them, get them all to ASU and and being part of that team. Absolutely, man. That's that would be a dream, right? If you were a coach or you were a player, and your dad coached somewhere, as long as you have a nice relationship with your father, like that, probably be you know a once in a lifetime opportunity to go and play for him. So that's awesome, dude. I'll, I'll go for it. But what kind of contribution is he really going to have to this
1: team? He's
0: younger so there's still plenty yeah. of time but who knows
1: yeah exactly and it's it's hard to say i mean obviously bobby hurley was a great guard bobby hurley the coach was a great guard for duke back in his day um for those who don't remember go back and look up what what he did with christian Leitner and um some of the runs they had some really good basketball bobby hurley is a super smart point guard so i wouldn't doubt if some of that rubbed off on his son obviously i think uh a lot to prove having to play for your father. And, and it, he's to, to I think there's some level of risk you take as a coach by bringing your son onto the roster. So I would imagine knowing th- with the kind of intensity Bobby Hurley coaches with, he probably holds his son to a, to a higher standard than some of those other players. But besides the fact I, I agree, I think it's super cool. It'll be interesting to see what kind of contribution he can make, but, but back to looking at the, the pac 12 a little bit more broadly, um, and ASU, U of A, the the whole mix. What do you you make of us, as as the Pac-12 kind of seems to be falling apart as a conference, still having a pretty strong presence in the top 25? As
0: far as basketball, I think you're
1: going to consistently have some success in
0: regards to the top 25, as long as Pac-12 is still intact, right? Oregon gets good recruits. U of A is just... A well-known uh, commodity within college basketball, where you're going to get recruits just from names alone, right? You know, then you have USC and UCLA, but that's going to be changing here shortly, right? Because those are two
1: of the teams that I believe are going to the Big Twelve. That's correct. That's right. Correct. Um, I think it's it's either, yeah, the Big Twelve is I think what they'll become. Was it the Big Ten? either way either way <laughs> so no, right now so. Y-
0: you have some powerhouse you have some powerhouses which will consistently be within the top 25 but we si- did see some dips within the past couple of years and it's just it really just all depends but west coast basketball is some of the best basketball in the country so we're going to be able to get recruits and and we're going to be able to have teams consistently within that top 25 now with all of the realignments of not just the pac 12 but uh, you know it seems like we're going down a route where there's going to be maybe two or three power conferences so then you're going to start to see kids who are on the west coast stretching out to you know the midwest almost to the east coast going to schools to stay within those power three conferences so i think we're still a couple of years away from seeing how that really breaks out but until then pac-12 is still going to be able to be competitive. And I'd say probably because of the top two Oregon in Arizona and UCLA. I know UCLA has really been competitive the past couple of years and making some nice runs in the tournament. So they should help keep uh, the conference afloat. But exactly, man, I, I, I got to pick Ben's brain a little bit more because what does the time frame look like before more and more falling off and going somewhere else? That's really going to dictate you know, the full landscape for the Pac-12 going forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, retaining that talent, uh, staying competitive and really building on something. uh, I think it, it's so weird to me. I mean, just to talk on the Pac-12 more broadly, I mean, like, like we're pointing out multiple handful of teams in the national top 25 conversation, I'd say in both of the major sports in football and basketball, um, I mean, you look on the, on the football side, Stanford seems to always be a part of the conversation, Oregon, um, UC, USC is now even, even coming in their own, but that's, that's besides the fact, I think it it, it is on, on the PAC 12 to really, um, if they want to stay together, figure it out. I think these, like we've talked about on some of the other podcasts and, and streams we've done and, and Ben's pointed out, it's really like the TV deals that seem to be killing them. The inaccessibility of the leagues. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I was able to watch an ASU basketball game on a TV. Um, I had to have been at a sports bar because I definitely wasn't in the comfort of my own home. Um, but even then, and that's, and that's another t- conversation we can probably get into on a heat check podcast or something. But the, the fact of the matter is there's so many transplants in the Valley. Um, it's bad enough on the professional level. But when you really break it down to a college level uh, and there's dozens of games on on any given you know, day of the week for college sports in the my point is the valley you go to a a public like bar restaurant that shows sports and it's not guaranteed that you're going to see the local team um and and it's the same with college so i think that kind of you know bringing it full circle kind of leads into the problem with maybe players you know player retention in in a way where the market isn't quite as big they're not getting enough exposure the fans aren't in the stadium um so there's not that appeal for the program in in general so it's a whole you know snowball effect i could imagine I mean, i'm just speculating here but all of it boils also boils down to winning and if you don't have the players here that are capable of winning then you're then you're not going to get the support and it's not going to grow the fan base so i did want to just the last thing i did kind of want to talk about with with ASU basketball and and i keep hate to quit name dropping him but again ben miller i think might disagree with me here bobby hurley has been here for seven years now i think we got him in 2015 um which i kind of was reminded about looking at his son because i his son bobby um you know graduated high school in scottsdale and i was like that's crazy that has bobby hurley had ties for that long to to the valley and then i realized that means he moved here when he was like 12 so obviously (laughs) bobby hurley basically kind of grew up the second half of his second third or third 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 anyway the 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 later part of his you know to the this point now but he's lived here in Arizona and he went to high school here um so my point is Bobby Hurley's been here as the coach for a while and it's kind of we've seen some good runs we made the tournament a couple times but overall I don't think there's too much to show for it and not much to hang your hat on I mean this this program much like the football program has been mediocre at best um and so I just wonder if if it might be time to move on from Bobby Hurley um but at the same time I I do I do like the guy so it's tough I mean Mike what what do you say what do you think about that is in his seventh or eighth year coming up here
0: it's hard to pinpoint how much time you can give to coaches right because there's expectations that are set but when Bobby Hurley first came here he started to change the trajectory of Arizona State basketball and as the success came we started to think to ourselves, oh well He's seeing success here in the Pac-12. Is he going to leave for, you know, a higher established program? So we were worried about that for a couple of years, you know. And now, uh, you know, it is getting close to uh, make it or break it time. You know, when you start to get close to a decade anywhere, you have to start to bring a bill of, uh, you know, goods to the table, I guess a, a lack of a better term. And when I say a bill of goods, I'm talking about how many tournament appearances are you making? Are you making good pushes in the PAC 12 tournament? Do you have any top three finishes? Do you, have you won a division? Have you won the PAC 12 tournament? Have you done any of these things? And at the moment, I think Bobby Hurley has what? Two NCAA tournaments to his name. No PAC 12 wins, uh, tournament wins as far as um, the entire tournament and yeah. some kind of lackadaisical efforts within the NCAA tournament and early exits when there should have been a little bit of a deeper runs. Were they expected to win the whole thing? No, but, you know, not one of those first four out games. They, they shouldn't be losing those, you know. So mm-hmm. it's getting close to that time frame where he's going to be given a little bit of grace period. And I think specifically because of what's happening with the Pac-12 in a whole and what's with what's happening with uh asu football i think the less turnover and turmoil that you have to have within your major sports the better so right now arizona state from pac-12 uh what do you call predictions they're predicted to finish seventh uh they have ucla at the at the top spot which is actually their third straight year predicted as finishing a first Arizona second and Oregon third. So it's getting close, man. It's getting close. You know when you see you pull that up right there, his time in Buffalo, he finished as regular season champion and we haven't seen anything like that in his time in ASU. But yeah. obviously, the MAC is way different than the Pac-12. Yeah. But, you know, we're we're starting to get to that time frame. You should be established in your recruiting, right? You should be starting to get bigger name players to come and play for you because of your name and the situation that is playing in Arizona, living in Phoenix, being in a central hub. And I, I just don't know how you can't get better recruits. So time is a ticking, I guess I would say. That's the last thing I'd have to say about that. But yeah. Very interested to see how this season pans out in regards to a powerhouse, which the Pac-12 can be in uh, NCAA basketball. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of really, really deep runs in the NCAA tournament from a couple of these teams like we've seen the past couple of years, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. And I, I think it's There's a lot of interesting storylines to follow throughout the season, as there always is. Uh, I think an, an interesting conversation to have on a future episode would be, you know, diving more in depth. And I'd be curious to learn more about what uh, U of A has been doing with their basketball program. Of course, a lot of drama there over the past couple of years with Sean Miller's exit, DeAndre Ayton being involved in some rumors. Um, You know, that guy's name. We're gonna, I'm sure we're going to talk about him coming up here in a bit. But uh, I mean, last thing, I, I don't have much more to say about it either, Mike, to be honest. The last thing I just kind of want to highlight is is a clear regression. Uh, you see the last two seasons, of course, uh, COVID, COVID kind of screwed everything up, but you got a, a clear regression. We're a far cry away from the 2017 season where we topped the AP at, at three and then the following year at 17. It's just been going backwards. He's basically 500 as a coach, 118 wins, 100 losses. Um, So a little bit better than 500. I'll give him a little more credit than that. But honestly, those are the guys you kind of think of, you know, like you said, going, getting close to a decade. Um, I get he's, he's a guy everybody loves, but are the results there and, and how much of a leash are they going to give him to get there? So he's got this season. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm always excited for basketball season. Like we're saying, it's the NBA, it's college basketball. It's prime time for it. And then I know it's a ways away, but March Madness, baby, I can't get enough of that. So got looking forward to the next uh, six, seven months or so. A lot of sports, a lot of content we'll be putting out, and uh, and I'm real excited. But Mike, what do you say uh, we get into some past the outlet?
0: Absolutely. And this is our time to shine. And when I say that, I mean the Phoenix Suns, the Valley Boys are back. Off to a pretty good start this year, 3-1. and Great comeback win against the Mavericks to start the season. Had a tough couple of bounces against Portland. Ended up losing by two in overtime. Had the opportunity to push it to double overtime. But Joff Landell just came up just a bit short. And then we had convincing wins over the Clippers and the defending champion, Golden State Warriors. So we got a three-pack of a couple of Things that we've been seeing from the start of this season. So we'll just go ahead and throw it right up on here and get into it. How about we just let it all play right at once? Chris, how does that sound? Yeah, I like it. So and first and foremost, we'll let it play so everybody can see. But those 90 throwback jerseys, man, I'm sorry. I cannot get enough of that. I I don't understand how that can't be just a staple for an alternate retro every year. How does it have yeah. to just be a certain amount of times? Like like uh, this is the 30-year um celebration of when uh the Suns went to the finals in 92, 93, but these are just mm-hmm. too clean, you know, like same thing with uh, like those those Toronto Raptors 90s jerseys, those Memphis Grizzlies jerseys, like just kind of keep them in rotation. Like it's it's a classic, it's part of the game. Yeah. But anyways, um, let's let this one finish off with Mikhail. Nice little slam and transition, and let's go back right to the top. So, Devin Booker is on a mission, and I feel like you can probably say the same thing, and you've been seeing some of it as well. The man is in another gear, and grain of salt with everything. We're very early on in the season, but it seems like, he's just the type of player who really breaks down his own game, pinpoints what he has to work on in the off season and gets to work to get better at all of those kinds of things. He's been shooting at a very high clip from outside, but this has always been part of his game anyways, but this little dribble drive transition, slow kind of slow pace, keep the defense off of the side, you know, I always love these high screens between anybody and Ayton because he's becoming such a threat from, you know, that 12 to 15 range where you can't commit too much to the ball handler because if they dump it over to him, he can just hit him with that little floater. And it's almost 70% clip. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what do you see in here,
1: Chris? Yeah, I'm seeing uh, the defense having to make some some tough decisions there. I think that's uh, James Wiseman on his heels as as Devin Booker's kind of driving in. And I'm I've been trying as as we're watching this, I'm trying to decide if I would have liked Devin Booker to dump off that pass or try to. I mean, he he would have had to kind of weave it in there, but I feel like a nice crisp bounce pass could have got that into DA, but then, but then you're looking at DA essentially taking the exact same shot. Um, I, he likely would do a little float shot like that rather than slam it at home. But I don't know, we are seeing DA be a little bit more aggressive, but what I'm seeing in this particular instance, and I, I hate to say it cause it's kind of becoming an overused phrase, but man, Devin Booker's got that dog in him, like <laughs> to, to just go head down at a, I think James is seven footer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Straight- straight up fearless head down knowing he has him on his heels dead to rights they 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 switched for I mean they did switch and that's like the laziest screen and roll I've ever seen in my life but it worked (laughs) so I think that says more about the Warriors defense than it does the Suns offense but it does say a lot to Devin Booker's basketball IQ that he read the situation right it's almost like um uh, if you've ever played the game Fallout, I think they have like the percentage of if the shot's gonna hit or not. I feel like that's what Devin Booker sees right here. He's like, all right, if I just go up straight for James Wiseman, it's ninety percent chance. If I dump it off to DeAndre, and it's only a sixty-five percent chance. So I'm just gonna take this myself. Those are the better odds. It's like, and I think like the game probably moves much slower for Devin Booker than it does for for guys like me. Right, and exactly, I. You know, this is
0: kind of a lazy screen set by DA as well, but that's always part of the game, right? You're not going to be able to go full hedge and get a body on guys every single time you set a screen, especially in the NBA, because that's how the game is built. It's built for space, right?
1: And that's a pretty high screen
0: too. Sorry, Exactly. You want to get him, you don't want to get him too far away from the basket where he can't be somebody who has an opportunity off of that play. So I know you said that you, you maybe would have liked uh, Devin Booker to hit that pocket pass right there. The one thing I do see with that is Stephen Curry is leaking kind of right there. So that's maybe why he didn't go with that option because he Fair. sees that he's right in the in the paint, kind of trying to – See that Cam Johnson's on the outside, but the trailer from the screen is is diving down. That's more imperative to step in for the help, especially since Andrew Wiggins is trailing so so far back. That was such a weird angle that he took on that change. But it also doesn't look like exactly like you said. Devin Booker didn't shy away from this at all. As soon as he hit that corner and knew that Wiggins was on his hip, he hit that real quick two-step sprint right there yeah, to give him momentum to get right up into his shot and he can elevate with the best of them. I mean, my favorite picture from this off season was probably that one of him doing a turnaround jumper against DeMar DeRozan at one of those like Rico Hines camps. And (laughs) the elevation on that was just mind blowing. Like, and, and you could almost be like, I'm sure he barely put effort into that. You know what I mean? It's, it's just wild, but Devin Booker, like we said before, if this team really wants to be successful and make a good push this year, he has to be in the MVP conversation, and he started off this season exactly like that. What else are you seeing from from Book so far, Chris? That you're liking?
1: Man, like like I said, like just the aggressiveness, and I and I just want to like piggyback off what you just said about his elevation. I mean, just in that freeze frame right there, look at where his feet are. That's almost at James Wiseman's waist. So, I mean, he's getting up and in over him. And, like, even James Wiseman goes to con- try and kind of contest late. But but moreover, to what I'm seeing out of book overall is just relentless um, attacking and scoring and really taking his game to a next his next level. I mean, just when we think he can't get any better, it seems like he is still playing like he has something to prove. Um, I wouldn't say he does, but I'm glad he feels like he does. Because if he's going to keep pushing himself like that, boy... I'm excited to see what happens. And I think if I had to guess, uh, Devin Booker really wants to be in that MVP conversation. And if he keeps playing like this, I don't know how he couldn't be. I mean, it's early, really early in the season. Um, not to take anything away from Devin Booker, but there's some other guys playing out of their minds right now. Kevin Durant, Giannis, as always, Luka Doncic, of course, everybody's, uh, every Suns fans, favorite player. Um, I mean, we're, we're past the days of LeBron James, you know, dominating this league as we see the the Lakers struggle, but to to specifically with Devin Booker, I think he takes on all those challenges head on, like we just saw with Klay Thompson, where even after Klay was ejected from the game, flashing the four rings hand sign in his face, Devin Booker goes after the game and says, man, I love Klay Thompson. I wanted to be Klay Thompson, but without saying it he almost said now i realize i'm better than clay thompson and he, and he might have those four rings but my career is a lot newer than his is clay's uh i mean maybe i mean he's getting up there he's in his early 30s at least so i don't know how much of a, his best basketball he has ahead of him kill him with kindness and kill him on the court man that's what the greats always
0: do so i'm i'm really excited for devin to keep expanding his game and kind of see how everything flushes out with uh, I'd be interested to see if he ends up with over 30 point average this year because right now it just seems effortless his his shot is on point his creativity is really unmatched and he is the best shooting guard in the league right now and I don't know if it can be debated and he's starting to kind of cement himself at as the upper echelon you know top 10 top five players in the league so we're gonna need him but one of our brand new additions who has just been a breath of fresh air to this bench. And you know him, our favorite Australian, Jock Lindell. He has been really filling his role as the big man off the bench to the point where it almost seems like it's becoming interchangeable between DeAndre Ayton and Jock Lindell in regards to production. Now, player wise, they are obviously very different, but he's coming in and contributing at a very high level. And he's doing the things that he needs to do as a big man, contesting the basket, being that last line of defense, getting consistent pressure on ball handlers and drivers, and finishing at the basket with authority. And I've been pleasantly surprised with what Jock's been doing so far. Chris, what about you?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. He's been playing such a a great doing such a great job and playing so well and really understanding his role and and you talk about him being a new addition another guy right there and in that involved in that play that's a new addition Damian Lee man that's a good find he's not even you can he's looking he's his head down the baseline making it look like he's going attacking the baseline and that's why the defender feels so comfortable to drift off so far I think to where he does get that nice easy dish to Landell who's battling for position but uh, since you brought up this clip I think it really highlights like like Devin Booker has something plays like he has something to prove. I think that's really how Jock Landell attacks the game. Uh, I have this quote here from him. He said, I play such a high intensity brand of basketball, and that's what I got to do to stay at pace with some of these guys. When I'm a backup center in the NBA, I can leave it all out there. So he knows that he's not going to be the guy playing 35, 40 minutes a night. So he's going to make the most of his 20 so minutes. And when he gets out there, he's going (laughs) to give it his all. And I love that mentality. Absolutely. 100%. I love the energy that he's giving this
0: second unit. His punch off the bench, his scoring punch specifically, is very much needed, especially with the firepower that we lost to Cam Johnson in the, uh, you know, going into the starting lineup. And one of my other favorite things that I feel like this team has really been starting to be more cognizant about is really taking advantage of your mismatches at the at the big position we saw it heavily against golden state there was plenty of times that da was matched up on draymond green and i know draymond green is is a big brute kind of guy but da has five six inches on him and they were getting switches and exploiting the matchup with jock as well getting him right at you know that that circle mid-circle and getting him the ball and all he'd have to do is give him one move and turn into his fit into his fader and that's how he ended up with 17 18 points and and big contributions that this team is going to need from the second unit because you know guys like Chris Paul aren't going to be relied on to score as much and we're going to talk about that here shortly I know we are but I've been very impressed with his ability to seamlessly come into the game and just feel like there's not that much of a drop-off, right? He doesn't yep. do the same things that DeAndre Ayton does. For DeAndre Ayton's size and skill level, he is a freak athlete, but Jock is just very meticulous. He's smart about positioning, he understands when to attack, and he does, and he's not shy about putting up his shots when he has his opportunities. And that's what I want from my bench guys because they need to fill up the stat sheet, especially on nights where, you know, Devin Booker might not be shooting as well, putting up 34 effortless points. You know, there's going to be some nights where Devin goes four for 18, and we're going to need guys to step up. And I, I, that also makes me excited about other guys like Damian Lee. I mean, we're starting to flesh out who's really going to be a part of this rotation, right? Obviously, we're still waiting to see what happens with Jay Crowder and what kind of piece we can get back with that. But it seems like guys like Dario Saric, uh, Bismarck Biombo, and Joshua Kogi are all taking back seats to these guys like ja Landell and Damian Lee because they're just producing and they're producing right now. Obviously. As the season goes on, those guys are going to have to get more minutes. But I've been liking what I've been seeing from those new guys. But our bench unit overall as a whole, we still need a piece or two.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to tie into a a conversation we could have here in a little bit. But, I, man, I agree. Like, I'm very excited. I think we're seeing a legend in the making in Jock Landell. If he would have hit that shot, that tip back in overtime – Oof. what, what, what we be talking about I don't know but I think we got one more clip in this uh in this set right <laughs> we do and this comes to the generality of this team
0: right we have a lot of young pieces we want to push the pace and our guy Chris Paul I don't know how you feel so far Chris but I feel like there's just something missing a little bit right now. And I want to, this is going to transition into Reddit reacts as well, but this is obviously a great play, an easy play that Chris Paul makes all the time, grabs the rebound, pushes the pace, slows it up just a little bit in order to, for Mikhail to, you know, stretch behind the defense on the fast break and finishes with a nice slam. But we've been seeing a way different Chris Paul, haven't we, Chris?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been concerning. A lot of people have noticed, and I think it's hard not to. He's just not the same guy that we have seen here in the past couple of years. I mean, you really think back, and he was the second scoring option behind Devin Booker. He was pulling up a bunch from mid-range. He was attacking the cup. Uh, and now just a real slower pace, um, a lot of more passive, uh, not taking those shots, letting these other guys – get the scoring opportunities and i don't i don't know that i necessarily have a problem with it but at the same time what's the reason for it is it a conscious thing that you know him and monty and the team it's a game plan where they're gonna try and lessen his burden so that he can be 100 percent at the end of the season and maybe if he does have to be a scoring option in the playoffs but if you're not going to stay, I'm sure Chris Paul's putting up shots in practice. I know he's still shooting, but when it comes to game time moments, if you go a whole 82 game season, being passive, not taking shots, is he going to be able to flip that switch come playoff time and, you know, come back to being that guy that that we can really count on if in, in a pinch, if it's a neck and neck game in the fourth quarter, they're double team Devin Booker uh, can Chris Paul be one of the guys that steps up and score, uh, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think so. I mean, he is older. He's been, been a little injury plagued, but I am, I think I'm in the concerned camp a little bit Um, without much dialogue from the team or explanation. uh, I just think we'll have to kind of wait and see how Chris Paul does over the the course of the next uh, several games here.
0: Yeah. And obviously before, the start of the season, I think that was some of the sentiments that I had as well in regards to him taking a back seat because if the, the long-term success of this team was going to be making farther pushes in the playoffs and hopefully winning a championship. It was going to have to start to transition to some of these younger guys who are starting to make a name for themselves, specifically Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, right? DeAndre Ayton got his big bag this summer. He needs to start producing and putting up the numbers to back that money. Mikhail Bridges, runner-up in Defensive Player of the Year, has always been pretty solid offensively, but that's the next step that you wanted him to take. So you wanted Chris Paul to start to take a back seat. But the one thing that I'm concerned about is, and it goes back to what you were saying as well, is it a conscious effort or is he second guessing himself a little bit more than he normally does you know he just doesn't seem like he has the same feel and striking the same type of fear into defenders as he used to and obviously father time is undefeated but i was just hoping that it wouldn't be such a striking difference you know what i mean like it would be a gradual transition through this season and I'm not saying that he needs to go out there and score 22 with 14 assists every night, but it just seems like there's some times where he has his open shots, like you said, his normal 16 footers sidesteps where it used to be so unconscious to him. Now he's not even looking for that. And I really wonder if that's because it's a part of the game plan. They're trying to get DeAndre Eaton more touches, you know, 18 to 20 field goals a game. And unfortunately the person that's going to have to take a back seat and get their numbers cut is going to be Chris Paul. But I'm just hoping that it's just a slow start. And it seems like he's gotten better these past couple of games. His shooting has gotten better. He's, he's been letting it fly from three a little bit more, but we'll see, man. We will see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what I, what I also wanted to say with, with Chris Paul and like, whether it's it's a designed thing or not. I think we can sit here and speculate, but without Monty or Chris coming out and explicitly saying, like we'll never know. Um, but just to add to the, the theories, I think it could also be, like I, I think I was kind of alluding to, part of longevity concerns and his availability late in seasons and playoff runs where you do think about it. If you're leaving your feet, taking jump shots, you're more susceptible to potentially coming down funny, getting fouled hard. Um, you know that wear and tear. So with a lot of scrutiny right now around tanking and resting players and days off, I know it. Maybe I don't know what the current rules are. I don't know what the rules are. To be fair, um, I know it's frowned upon heavily. And that in the past they have, I think Adam Silver's issued fines for for teams resting players at inappropriate times. If not, it's severely frowned upon. And it sounds like action is going to you know go into place. so i say all that to maybe speculate that that could be a concern where if they can't give chris paul a few games off for no reason at all that maybe they just have to find other ways to get him that rest and that could be through a lightened workload um you know during the course of the game but i think there there's going to be a balancing act there and i just hope that it is something you know that i would rather it be something intentional and planned than like you said have it be like he's um, questioning his ability or second guessing himself.
0: Exactly, and you know we're still going to need him. We're gonna we're gonna need his prowess and his leadership. If this team is gonna make a deep run, I, am I gonna need all the scoring? No, I'm still, still probably gonna need the assists. But I need to I need him to play within the system and not be scared. That's just kind of what it comes down to. Because I think campaign is still just such an unknown and any of these other backup guys which we really don't have at the moment you know if he's not what he has been the two years that he's been with us you know it's really going to put a lot more on these young guys like you see in this photo the time may have come already yeah Mikhail, Ayton, Booker, and Cam Johnson, especially Cam Johnson now that he's joined the starting lineup, you know, they're going to have to lead the charge and and have that wisdom from Chris Paul. But yeah. in talking about, uh, I guess, changing of the guard, I loved the tenacity and the chippiness that we saw in that Golden State Warriors game uh, between. Clay Thompson and Devin Booker. But Chris, do you think
1: that Clay Thompson is already washed? <laughs> oh, man. I'm not <laughs> surprised to see this on the Suns subreddit as we move into Reddit Reacts here. Um, you know, I'm not surprised that people are going to say that he's coming off two tough seasons of injury. I think he kind of started playing some games the end of last season and, and was with them through their playoff and championship run. Um, but as I recall, he wasn't the same old clay we remember from their previous championship runs. Um, you know, he wasn't putting up 30 points every single game. He wasn't lights out as much as he was. I, I was watching um, a Warriors game a little bit earlier. I think even it may have been this week, but um, Clay Thompson was doing terrible. He was like, Oh, of six from the three point line. Oh, I was, I was watching it and he's on my fantasy team. So that's even better. Um, I don't know if you guys caught that fantasy draft, but I definitely took Clay Thompson and I'm looking for him. I was, in, I mean, fantasy wise, I'm looking for him to have a resurgence. So I'm not in the washed camp. I bought into Clay Thompson's. I think he could, uh, you know, find his role and still be a good, he's a, killer spot up shooter i mean clay is one of the best shooters in the league still um and the guys are going to have bad days especially when you're still trying to get back to 100 as i'm sure he still is i mean i don't want to give him an out but let's give him this season let's see how he does and if he's still trash then uh then i think this this meme will apply um i think
0: i think clay's gonna be just fine he's gonna find his rhythm some guys get off to a slow start especially shooters you just have to tweak your mechanics a little bit and then you'll be back to what you are but i mean his game is gonna have to change especially through his injuries and he's Mm -hmm. getting a little bit older as well he's really going to primarily start to become a spot-up shooter more than the one two dribbles to create a little bit of space you know he's gonna have to come off of action really get set and then let it fly uh i always love when guys do the ring count yeah when when they're getting their ass busted and he was shooting pretty poorly in the game as well up to the point where he got ejected his first ejection is in his career which i kind of find that hard to believe but at the same time i don't think he's ever been an over exuberant guy you know like i don't think he's ever been really the guy that's Pushing the envelope like a Draymond Green. But at the same time, you'd think you'd be around Draymond Green for long enough. He'd rub <laughs> off on you a little bit more and you'd have an ejection in there. But he's flashing the four to the fans. And, you know, that's great. That's all dandy. We know you have four rings, Clay. We know you have four rings, but how are you doing today? How are you doing today? Wasn't too hot. So those are always the tough games because especially for the Suns to start this season, we have some really, really good competition. And I want to see where this team is out of the gate early within these first 10 games. Like we talked on the heat check podcast, go ahead and check that one out from, uh, from this month. But, you know, you'll take it sometimes, you know what I'm saying? A quick ejection, which gets all the momentum on your side and you step out on the, on the lead real quick. And then you step on Mm -hmm. their throats. They did have a little bit of a run with about you know nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, but it really was never in doubt. And we'll we'll see what happens the next time they meet. But oh, man, I guess the the next thing I have to say is, and, and this is going to go into our Jay Crowder conversation. We got Kyle Kuzma showing some love for our Unis. He said, "Those Suns jerseys are so beautiful. And Seraph Natsu on Reddit said, Kuzma to the Valley confirmed. Chris, would you like Kyle Kuzma on our team?
1: Ooh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, he's an interesting guy. Um, I think he can play a role pretty well. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, Larry Nance Jr. in a lot of ways uh, that they play, um, which I think is another guy we did have in the in the recent past. Um, just real quick, uh, I, will, I will speak on that some more, but I did want to mention for anyone who might be listening just on audio to pass the outlet, um, that meme we were just talking about that was posted by the user Eggs Tyrone. Uh, which i love that username i'd love to go to his restaurant and get some eggs tyrone sounds delicious but um it's a meme where it's the top half it's a it's a square picture the top half is clay thompson getting ejected the bottom is him pointing to his four rings while he's getting uh escorted out of the court and then in like the gta fashion where it would have said wasted it says washed in orange letters um, and then the first one we looked at was, um, if you're familiar, that meme of a young Ninja Turtles walking hand in hand with a, a younger Master Splitter. And then the pic- the lower half of it is um, the Turtles are grown up and Master Splitter older. And as you can imagine, CP3 is Master Splitter in this analogy. And uh, the Ninja Turtles are Cam Johnson, Mikkel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker. So uh i think that in that that one particularly i'd have to say that totally fits but in this one mike's talking about we see a still shot of chris paul in the brand new or throwback purple sunburst uniforms which i have to agree with michael benjamin and kyle kuzma i absolutely love these jerseys i loved them back then i got one in my closet that's a penny hard away but i'm absolutely going to get one of these new ones it's so clean they cleaned up the lines the trim i think the shorts are a little bit different it's just a real smooth, sexy looking jersey. But Michael Benjamin, I'm not trying to duck your question. I think that I I could see a Kyle Kuzma here. I could see him being a he's that kind of guy that will accept his role. I think he's coachable. He's not very vocal um when it comes to off the court stuff. I think he did uh was he dating a Kardashian at one point? I I can't remember. I wouldn't be surprised. I might be mixing him up with someone else. Cause he was in Los Angeles. You know, these guys that, that start out in LA, especially when was they're he young with
0: Kendall at one point, or I, I want to say he was on the Kendall team, but maybe I'm uh, yeah. Or where's or that Blake Griffin? I,
1: I don't know. I know Blake Griffin for sure, but it's a, it, there's a list man, but <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect. I mean, do you, I mean, live your life, but um, yeah. So Kyle Kuzma, if it fits, if uh, the deal makes sense and i um, who is he on right now? Anyway, I'm, I'm curious.
0: He's sh- with the Wizards and he's had okay. he's had a pretty good last year. He did pretty good and he started off pretty hot as well. I mean, Washington, I don't know how much noise they're going to make. It, it depends if Kristaps stays healthy and, you know, how that team meshes around Bradley Bill because he's their main guy. But, you know, I I, I wouldn't mind a, a stretch power forward who can play a little bit bigger. But I think that goes into our bigger conversation in regards to what's going to happen with the Jay Crowder situation with both parties, the Phoenix Suns and Jay Crowder, mutually agreeing that he will not be a part of this team until they trade him. And it's put us in a pickle in regards to what we can really get back for him. And now we have reports from, I believe, Chris Haynes on TNT's broadcast of the phoenix suns and golden state warriors game basically stating that he talked with jay crowder and his decisiveness with the organization wasn't about him moving to the bench but of course he wouldn't dive into it a little bit more so chris i'll pose this question to you
1: what's going on with jay crowder and why does he not want to be a part of this team you know that's that's a great question and i would really like to know because i think initially when those first reports came out that he was unhappy with being moved to the bench role he still wanted to play starter minutes and be involved in the end of the game scenarios if that was the son's intention on utilization and he disagreed and they mutually agreed to part ways i think i could stomach that uh, i still think i if that were had been the case i don't like how he's gone about it now of course it's kind of coming, starting to become a he said, she said. I mean, where only Jay Crowder's saying anything. I don't think the Suns have released any statement other than it's a mutual, you know, thing where they're going to shop him. But it's concerning to me. I mean, what is what is going on? Because I mean, it's it's not even a best case, worst case, but it, in in some way, it is like best case. It is that uh, Jay Crowder is just a disgruntled player that wasn't happy for some arbitrary reason and. The Suns decided to, for the sake of the locker room to appease him and get him out of there. But worst case, um, the Suns slighted Jay Crowder in a major way or something happened where that it caused such a rift where Jay Crowder doesn't even want to step on the floor with these guys that he was going to battle with every day for the last two years. So, he, you know, right now he's still saying, I got love for these guys. Um, I, I appreciate the you know the time spent and the, the memories made or whatever um, you know cookie cutter line he gave but I think the longer that this saga gets drug out and the longer it takes to move Jay Crowder the more things like this that might start to seep through the cracks and and fracture you know the possibility of a move even more I mean what do you make of it all When I hear the report from Chris Haynes, the first thing that
0: comes to mind is, oh, okay, well, they couldn't figure out a contract extension, right? He's 32 years old. He has been in the league for a while now, and he's trying to get kind of his last decent-sized contract before he has to transition to a role piece and start taking – smaller contracts maybe down the road if he wants to play in the league in 15 in his year 15 17 whatever or not taking league minimums which is no small chunk of change to the normal man but to nba players who are seeing you know multiple millions a year i understand you wanting to go and get your last contract and ensure yourself up and I just wonder if he, since he couldn't get that done, he didn't want to risk any type of injury without, you know, the knowledge that he was going to get paid at least one more time. But if it has nothing to do with that, and if it's some kind of other discourse that happened between him and the franchise, I I just don't understand how you wouldn't move off of it faster. Yeah. Or if it was something that was really disgusting or bad or, disrespectful like how he didn't come out and say straight up like i need to be out of this organization they disrespected me and you don't have to get into specifics but you say we're not on the same page i need to be moved right away it was all just cryptic stuff it was all just we have no idea or it's like haha they're gonna be they're gonna be laughing last or some some weirdness where it's like Jay, what are you talking about? Like blurring you know, out the
1: Sun's logo on his
0: like, remote. Like, like exactly. That's so that's so sly, subtle bullshit. Where it's Eddie. like,
1: I like we just
0: at this point, Chris. My only thoughts is we need to move him and we need to move him now because we need to get back pieces that can start fitting with his NIST rotation to figure out what we're gonna do down the stretch. And obviously, we have a lot of season left. That's great the quicker you can get guys in and start figuring out what you need, especially before the trade deadline, the better, you know? Yeah. But now our hands are tied because it's that that same old song and dance, which plenty of players have been through where you handcuff yourself because you know that they have to be moved. So you're not going to have to give up the farm in regards to get a good
1: contributor like a Jay Crowder, you know? Yeah. So – well, i like gracious. yeah exactly like you said there though a good a contributor like jay Crowder and i want to just rewind to what you were saying there a bit ago on, on your speculation about jay maybe not getting the contract extension wanting another big contract going to another you know before he takes that role player position but is it Mike is jay Crowder that guy that that is a surefire starting power forward in this league i think he is already at the role player mark personally. Yeah, I don't want him as a starter anymore. I mean, down the stretch
0: last year, I didn't want him as a starter either. I mean, we talked about it before. He might have been the best player in that Dallas Mavericks uh, series as far as consistency. You know, there were other guys who had better spurts and better games, but he was more consistent. But then in that Pelican series, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. That might be my favorite saying of all time. So I got (laughs) to use it every once in a while. But he's for what he does especially on the offensive end where he only wants to be a shooter he is way too inconsistent to be in my starting lineup i can take that i can take that from him for 18 20 minutes a night but not for 34 you know what i mean because you're doing more of a detriment on the offensive side than the defensive side and yeah he was a great defender i understand that he put on he put good ball pressure but you know Mikhail Bridges is an an all NBA defender, and we have guys who are t- starting to take steps up on, in that regard. You know, Devin Booker is starting to expand that part of his game as well. DeAndre Ayton is actually starting to block some freaking shots. I'll Unbelievable. Take it every day of the week. i I never thought it would it would happen. But that's the thing. You lose a main key piece to your defense, like Jay Crowder and all those other pieces behind it are supposed to take steps forward to cover up and mask for that so the hope is that cam johnson can come in and be more consistent as a shooter and he's still a pretty decent uh, on ball and you know perimeter defender that that was what was going to happen with this team the coaching staff saw it it was cam johnson's time to step up but you know that's another conversation for another day. Cam Johnson is starting off a little slow, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I just I, I need him to stay healthy, but at this point, I I gotta see what comes in for Jay Crowder, and it has to happen quick. And I know there's one guy who is you know standing <laughs> over on the sidelines seeing all the fun stuff that's going on with the Phoenix Suns in KD and who is this is this squidward it's the it's the meme with squidward and and spongebob and patrick are outside of the window looking like they're having so much fun it says kd is squidward inside looking all sad watching uh spongebob and squidward the phoenix suns and oi they the brooklyn nets and ben simmons uh, he is i don't know about yeah. that situation um I hope that he can turn it around in regards to his shot but him and Russell Westbrook might be in the in the uh (laughs) running for worst guard field goal percentage for the year that's for sure
1: yeah it's been it's been a rough start in Brooklyn I know I did mention Katie uh you know, individually has been playing well this season, as far as putting up numbers as has Kyrie Kyrie has been doing pretty good too, but it's not translating to wins for him. So I know that's a big part of KD's mentality is wanting to win and be a part of a winner. And I think that's really where a lot of these rumbling and rumors started to emerge is where, he might not have felt like the Nets were in a position to be contending and winning. And um, as much as they say, they've mended the relationship. I think he was right. I I don't think they're in a place to win. And to your point about Ben Simmons, I mean, I get it. The guy hasn't really played in two years. You take some time to ramp up to the NBA speed and the level, but does he have the, the willingness, the drive, the motivation, that's kind of been a criticism of him him since his college days is that he's just kind of a lazy guy that skated by on his natural, You know talent and ability and now you're playing at the highest level against the best players in the world so it's going to be interesting to see I know Kyrie just came out and defended him as a teammate would um, and said you know give Ben Simmons some time like I just said the guy hasn't played in two years so I I get it we can get it's it's five games into the season six games into the season Uh, it's early but it's gonna we're gonna blink and we'll be halfway through this season and I'll, I'll be curious to see where the cards start falling, and and come come that uh that time, what is it, December fifteenth or January fifteenth, when these players that just signed can start being moved, and and more flexibility comes available in these trade opportunities, uh, will we start to hear those KD rumblings again? I know the, the the it certainly hasn't died on Reddit as we're seeing here in Reddit reacts uh Suns fans are still very much I mean not all of them of course but many Suns fans are still uh holding out for the the hope that we get Kevin Durant and I can't say I'm uh, I'm not one of those people
0: Yeah I think trade deadline is January 15th and the Brooklyn Nets come to Phoenix on January 19th so that would be a crazy coincidence for the NBA <laughs> to schedule The Phoenix Suns against the Brooklyn Nets that short after that time frame. But good start to the season so far. Interested to see how these first 10 games kind of pan out. Obviously, um, Tallman said that we were going to sweep the Trailblazers, and that has already not come to fruition Unfortunately, that's kind of how the Tallman ticket has been going this, <laughs> this year, but I have a good feeling about this week. I'm going to be backing it again. But Chris, appreciate you, man. I will be out at the Suns game tomorrow night with my fiance Bree. Hopefully Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram will be playing. That'll be a great matchup. Uh, you know, rematch from the first round of last year's playoffs, which was a gritty gutsy grinded out performance by the phoenix suns we're excited to see what's happening but chris
1: any last thoughts for the people man uh just really really excited and now optimistic for this upcoming sun season i like what i've been seeing out of the boys uh devin booker deandre ayton specifically i am looking for deandre ayton to start living up to that contract he got he wanted it he got it so let's see it man and uh, last thing I'll say is I am very happy for you guys. I think you'll have a lot of fun at that game tomorrow. I wish I could be there, but we'll see, man. The Suns, the the Pelicans are no, uh, you know, nothing to mess with. They're 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 a pretty good team, and uh, I think, like you said, if Zion and Brandon Ingram are there, you could be you could be in for a really really nice game and a
0: good treat. Yes, sir. Chris, you know that we're going to be out there probably a couple of times oh. this year. We got to make it out to Sun Devils game as well maybe even the big three this summer, but we'll keep that posted. But everybody, thank you for joining us. This was Past the Outlet, Episode 6. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin, joined by Chris Patrick. Make sure to follow us on all socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at AZ underscore VSP. You can find us on Facebook at Valley Sports Plug. And please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel here at Valley Sports Plug, where you're watching this now. Everybody, we love y'all. Peace. See ya.
1: One, two, three, four. Ball is life. plain and simple. You know, ask any baller. You know, you know. The game has
0: changed, but it's still the same. If you want it, go get it. Shazam. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. Ah,
1: the Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're the top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. Yeah.
0: The ruling on the boys made basket.
1: You know, one thing's for sure over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Three, two,